to go through our series about fixing our eyes on Jesus because we start that new series today. Today, though, we're looking at hardships. And how many of you would say you had a time in your life when your life was kind of hard, or maybe you would describe it as a hardship? How many of you? I think probably every one of us, right? Because that's how life is. It's full of ups and downs and hard times and good times. And uh, the Urban Institute actually published something, a study two years ago, and they found that after COVID, that many families with young children have faced and continue to experience an overwhelming amount of material and economic hardship and food insecurity. Although data may show a recovering economy and decreases in unemployment, stories from parents with young children highlight how hardship endures because of instability in work hours, disruption to childcare, and barriers to food access. So that's just one example in our society today of some hardships. And, and even for us, with inflation and, and just the uh, in, in, uh, not knowing what's happening and you know the inability uh, uh, to really plan for the future like you used to be able to, because who knows what's going to happen, right? Um, that people are continuing to experience hardship. So what kinds of hardships do people face? What are some types of hardships? Health issues. Loneliness. Yeah, lots of... Financial, right. Uh, Lots of different types of hardships. So um, even if you aren't experiencing financial hardship, you might be facing something else. Uh, In our new series today, which we start, it's, it's... called Directions for Life, and it's based on the, uh, it's from Matthew 5 through 7 in the New Testament, and Jesus spoke these wise words to the crowds that were following him. And before that, you know, what they had was the Torah, the Old Testament, and uh, that part of the Old Testament with the law, where it would describe how they were to live. It gave them guidelines for life, and they've said that even though some of them are spiritual, there's some that are just health issues in there that that God gave the people as a guide. And here, uh, when the people are here with Jesus, they're actually in front of, around, the word of God. According to John, the book of John, Jesus is the word of God. And so Jesus is speaking to the people about how to live their best lives. And today we are going to focus on hardship and uh, what to do in the midst of it. As we start, though, to really understand where this fits in Jesus' ministry, like when did he give this uh, Sermon on the Mount, as they call it, uh, he has just begun his ministry. And he was baptized, and then he prepared for his ministry. In Mark 1, 9 through 13, it tells us about this. At the time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, and angels attended him. So at this time, Jesus is out there preparing for his ministry, and when he came back, he called his disciples, uh, started ministering to people. And we will start uh, just a few verses before chapter 5 just to kind of get the context here. 
Matthew 4, 23 to 25, and then right on into Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we'll stop there for a bit. Okay, so it tells us that large crowds are following him. And, he, and it's probably because it tells us that he's also healing them. So all of these things that they were dealing with, Jesus is healing them. He's setting them free. And he did the miraculous. And as, along with this, he is preaching the good news of the kingdom. And it says Jesus is on a mountainside in Galilee. Well, as you remember from another series where we were talking about the word mountain, sometimes it's just a big hill. And, and by Galilee, there are these big hills. And so Jesus is really on this ridge of hills just west of town, and he sits down on the side and begins to teach them. And this is a typical position that the teachers of Judaism would have done. They would have sat down, and then the people would sit down around them, and they would teach. These first few verses of Matthew 5 are also called the Beatitudes. Uh, it's from the first word of every statement there, blessed are those. Um, in the original language, that word is uh, beatitudo. So that word means blessed. And so that's why they're the beatitudes. We don't call them the beatitudos. We call them the beatitudes. And so the people Jesus is speaking to, the disciples and the people in the crowd, are living under Roman occupation and rule. And this is not a good situation for them. A lot of their freedoms have been curtailed. Um, things they would want to do in life they're not able to do. And uh, let me just ask you what you think. What kind of life would that be for those Jewish people? Boring, yeah, maybe boring. <laughs> be hard. Restrained, yeah, it would be. They, the people felt beat down. They were under the thumb of Rome, and uh, they felt constricted in their lives. And, you know, the religious leaders were always afraid someone's going to do something and wreck all this for us. You know, it's going to be even worse. And so uh, the people wanted change. Jesus says to them, blessed if you are poor in spirit. If you've un encountered unfortunate circumstances, you're blessed. 
economically, spiritually, emotionally. And the reason you are, you need God's help, the good news, and yours is the kingdom of God when you have that. God's blessing, God's good news, and God's kingdom. And he says, because of that, you are blessed. And then he tells them, if you mourn, if you're grieving the loss of someone or something valuable or some kind of financial support, a loved one, maybe even your status in society or your spiritual standing before God even is in question. Jesus said his kingdom had come to comfort you both now and in eternity. And then he says also, blessed are the meek. Jesus says, you're going to inherit the earth. And meek doesn't mean that you are weak here. A lot of times we think of meek as somebody who's kind of, you know, Casper Milktoast, but that's not what it's talking about. It, and it doesn't mean you don't stand up for yourself. It means you are gentle, like Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And someday Jesus will rule the earth, and it tells us that we will be there with him. If we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we inherit the earth. And he says then, okay, yeah, blessed are the poor in spirit who mourn the meek, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So he's talking to these people and saying, if you are hungering and thirsting, for righteousness, you'll be blessed. Righteousness here, the word that he's using, includes several things. It includes true justice. Uh, for those who were beat down, especially those people who he was talking to who were dealing with injustice, it includes personal righteousness, that desire for deeper purity, um, obeying the commands of the Lord, and God's promised salvation. And what do you think it means to hunger and thirst for that? To desire it, yeah. To want it, for sure. Uh, when we hunger and thirst for something, <clears throat> it's a deep desire. Think of when you're maybe out <clears throat> somewhere and you feel a little thirsty, and you don't get something to drink for a while because, you know, it's not available. And the longer and longer you go without the liquid you need, you really desire it. Oh, man, do you ever want that? Or if you're super hungry, it's something that really drives you to meet that need. And Jesus says when you have that hunger, that thirst for righteousness, for justice, for living holy lives, for salvation... Then you will be filled. And that source of that filling is God alone, because God's the only one who can actually fill us, the only one who can give us that righteousness, Jesus Christ. So, so far, these qualities he's listing are really talking about the deepest needs that those people had. There were people who felt beat down and poor in spirit. There were people who were mourning. There were people who wanted more, that hungered and thirst for more of God. And he says, okay, <clears throat> they want to see God change their situation, but now God speaks to their hearts. 
to their deepest desires and shows how God is the only way to answer that. To be truly rescued from their situation, they need to look to God, not to military might, not to political clout, but to God and his eternal kingdom. We, we live in a world today where we probably feel kind of the same way, right? A little bit beat down we, in situations that are difficult. And we can have those same problems, financial, physical, spiritual, problems of justice. And the only real answer to all of that, of the world's problems, the only real answer is Jesus. When we seek Jesus and surrender our lives to him, when we receive his power in our life, then we have that answer. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So Jesus is saying, come to me because I will give you what you need to get through this time. The next three things mentioned are outcomes of that kind of a life that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. He says, blessed are the merciful. You can't be merciful without God because God is mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve because that's what mercy means, that you don't get what you deserve. That would be sad if we got what we deserve, right? We'd have no hope of eternal life, no forgiveness. We would lose our own souls due to our own selfishness. But God didn't leave us there. He showed us mercy. He had compassion on us and gave us life through Jesus Christ even when we deserved death. Ephesians 2, 3 to 5 talks about this. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Here's the good part. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you have been saved. And so as we have mercy, we need to show mercy to others around us. And we need to be thinking, what are some ways that we can show mercy to others? Because if we got what we didn't deserve, we got this great relationship with God, then we need to show some of that mercy of God in our lives to others around us. Jesus then says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. Pure in heart. See, righteous living starts with a pure heart. And we can't do this by ourselves. I can think I want to have a pure heart, but actually I have to trust Jesus for that because when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, to come into our hearts, then we can have a pure heart before God. Every area of our lives need to be submitted to him, and then we see that purity in our heart. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. It's all about faith in Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And we will see God. And the Greek word here that says you'll see God, that word harao means to perceive. And it's not just to see the future, but also to see the present. It's to perceive what it means to follow Jesus Christ. So we're going to see God not just in the future with eternal life, but also now we see and perceive him working in our hearts and in our lives. In a world that's so self-oriented, 
facing things that don't lead to God, our salvation needs to be in Jesus Christ. Romans 6.22 said, But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God or servants of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. The result is eternal life. Then he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Peacemakers, not troublemakers. Not people rebelling against Roman rule. Um, there was a group of Israelites called the Maccabees, and, and some of them probably called them troublemakers. That had happened just uh, the century before. They tried to gain freedom by rebelling against the Romans, and their, the reason they were called Maccabees is that part of that word means hammer, and they considered themselves a hammer blow against their enemies. So these guys were not doing it the calm, easy way. They weren't peacemakers. They were going to take it by force. And other groups like them came and went trying to do the same thing, violent opposition to try and gain freedom. And so Jesus said the kingdom of heaven isn't known for rebellious armed people, but for peacemakers. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and I know you've heard that word before. And shalom doesn't just mean peace. It means wholeness in every area of life with your relationship with God, with neighbors. It means wholeness of areas, of neighborhoods, of nations. True peacemakers wait on God to do his will, to heal the division that's created in the world around them. To be, and being a peacemaker, we will be called, he says, you'll be called children of God, heirs and descendants of God because of the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. And that means that when you're a son or a daughter of God, that you have that same character as your heavenly father, peacemakers. Verse 10's a little harder. It says, when we are blessed, when we're persecuted. Okay, I don't think about being blessed when I'm persecuted or insulted or when they say, falsely say all kinds of evil against us. Because we follow Jesus. I mean, if you have ever had that happen when you're doing good, when you're following Jesus, when you're serving him and you receive insults and slander and all that, he says you're blessed. So let me ask you, how do you feel if that happens to you? If someone insults you or lies about you at work, how would you feel? Hurt? Mad? Defensive? Yeah, all that stuff, natural stuff, would kick in. We would be like, wait a minute. <laughs> and he says, I'm blessed. And these people are probably thinking that are sitting around Jesus. All this, I'm sure all of them had experienced something in that, that he's saying, and he's saying, you're blessed. Don't sweat that. It's difficult to take. The Greek word here for persecuted is in the sense of being hunted down. So it's someone going after you to slander, to lie, and to go after you because you're doing good things. You're being a righteous follower of Jesus Christ. And I hate to tell you, but this happened to us, Pastor Steve and me. We were leaving a church to plant South Oaks, and a leader got jealous and slandered us and spoke evil lies against us from the pulpit. And we met with him later, and we humbly asked him to help us understand how had we done this, and 
and uh, asked him to show us, uh, help us understand what we had done. And he said, um, well, I, I can't think of anything. And then the elder that was in the meeting with him went, oh. I realized he was lying. And he came up with some other stuff, but none of it was us. It was other people. And we did not retaliate, though. We forgave him, and we moved forward. Because I'm not going to be a victim and be held back by that. I want to move forward with what God had, has said. And God said, you know, when you're in that situation and someone does that to you, you're blessed because you're faithful to me as you're seeking me, as you're doing this. Jesus says, you have a great reward in heaven. So when you suffer things like that at your job, when someone goes after you, when you suffer insults from people you know who don't follow Jesus Christ because of your faith, know this. God is saying right here, Jesus said to these people, your reward is great in heaven. I don't know what that's going to be, but hey, it's kind of nice to know that Jesus Christ loves us so much that he wants us to know whatever we suffer for, for, suffer through for him, we will be rewarded someday in heaven. So let's read Matthew 5, continuing on, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So our motivation in all of these hardships and trials is that we are salt and light in this dark world around us. We need to be salty. <laughs> salt causes thirst, right? If you have something salty, do you find you drink a whole lot more water when you're eating it? Yeah. Um, anyway, we should call, cause that same kind of thirst for God by how we live our lives. We need to be salty. So he says if, a salt, if salt loses its saltiness, now how can salt not be salty anymore? What do you think? It's contaminated. Yeah. Exactly. If I have salt and I cut it with some other ingredients, meaning I add other ingredients in, it's no longer pure. If I have a half a cup of salt and a half a cup of sand and I mix them together and then I go to add that salt to something, is that going to be salty? It's not going to be that salty anymore. That's the kind of thing he's, he's talking about here. Um, how can you take the sand away from the salt if you want to fix it? You can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> it's not just a lot of work. You can't do it. I, I mean, honestly, Jacques, I'll be glad to give you. <laughs> oh, God can do it. Yes, God can do it. <laughs> He's saying once the salt's got all this other impurity in it, it's no good anymore. You just have to throw it out. Well, in the same way, if we allow the things of the world, the things that pull us away from God to be part of our lives, we're no longer the people that God desires us to be. 
So it's kind of like if I'm salty for God and I add in some junk of the world to contaminate that, then I'm no longer one of those people that brings uh, people to Jesus. We're also called the light of the world here. He says, you're the light of the world. And that means we're showing people how is the way to know Jesus. They can see the light of Jesus shining through us in this dark world spiritually. In John 8, 12, Jesus spoke again to the people, and he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So when we follow Jesus Christ, his light shines through us. I don't know if you've ever been around people who you maybe never met before, but you can just see a light, spiritual light coming from them because they know Jesus Christ. It's pretty cool. That light in us is Jesus shining through us when we're surrendered to him. So as we looked at all of those, let's talk about, Jesus is talking to these people who are beat down and who are suffering hardships. So how can we today get through hardships? Well, the first thing is to be like Jesus. All of those qualities that he lists, those are things that are true of Jesus, and we want that in our life. We want his character to be part of us. And as we face all the things that we go through, uh, the Holy Spirit in us as we follow Jesus Christ will give us the strength we need and also the fruit of the Spirit and those fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. All of that is the character of Jesus showing through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in hardships, be like Jesus. And secondly, be glad for heavenly rewards. (laughs) In our trials and in our struggles, be glad for heavenly rewards because they're difficult. But Jesus says, in the end, you have a reward in heaven when you're suffering for following me. When we live our lives to honor and glorify Jesus Christ, all of those hardships that we face have a result of a great reward in heaven for us. So be like Jesus, be glad for heavenly rewards. And third, be the salt and light to the world. Be salty. Your life should draw people to Jesus. It should be like salt, causing people to have a a thirst for Jesus, a hunger for Jesus. Stay strong, stay pure so that others will want to know him too. And keep your light shining, that light um, of Jesus in you, to all the world around you. When I was a kid in Sunday school, and maybe some others of you here will remember this song, that we had a song that we had sing called This Little Light of Mine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And then it's like, you know, talking about you're not going to hide it under a bushel. You're going to let it shine till Jesus comes. And it's talking about the light of Jesus in you, that you're going to let it shine, that you're not going to hide it. Jesus told the people, don't put that light under a bushel. In other words, don't cover it up. Don't try to hide that you're a follower of Jesus. Let it shine. Jesus gave these people hope as he was talking to them. And that hopes for us today, too, that no matter what our lives entail, our life is to be like salt and light. The world needs to see that because they're living in a spiritual darkness, a lot of them. And uh, we need to be that guide, that salt and that light to show them to Jesus Christ. 
Let's stand as we close. So many of us um, are in difficult situations, and maybe we uh, have been focused on how to just on how to get through those struggles. Struggles. We're looking at the struggle. We're looking at the difficulty. And today, Jesus is calling us to see our situation differently, see the hope and the strength that we have in him, to see the future we have when we follow Jesus Christ, our salvation, our eternal life, and our hope in him. So if you would just bow your heads. If you would say today, you know what, I want to be that salt and light to those around me, to help them see the way to Jesus, just raise your hand. Thank you. Lord God, we thank you that we can follow you, that we can be that salt and that light that draw people to you. Father, I pray that, um, you know, even though the world would want to beat us down, even though there'd be times when we suffer all kinds of struggles and trials and, and insults and persecution from people, Lord God, we can just turn to you. And Lord God, I thank you that you care so deeply about us, that you're saying, you know what? You're blessed when you follow me, and someday you're going to be with me in eternity. And that salvation, that peace that starts now, goes on and on through eternity as we follow you. Lord God, we just thank you that we don't have to to sweat it when we can fix our eyes on Jesus and know that you are taking care of us, that you will give us the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives to follow you. Lord God, I pray that you give us opportunities to be that light that shines. And uh, Lord, that your salvation, your light in us would just shine out to the world around us. We thank you, Father, for all you're going to do in our hearts this week. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.